listening to Sermons by the Park from Union Congregational Church in East Walpole, Massachusetts. I'm Pastor Aaron Shepard, and our current sermon series is called Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? Here's a hint, it's Jesus. This series examines the stories of Jesus dining with friends and foes and everyone in between to learn about how God meets us how Jesus uh, embodied and practiced hospitality in unexpected ways, and how we perhaps can meet others through the power of a shared meal, a shared word, and a shared vision of a new kind of community and belonging. Here's this week's message. First gospel reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 14, verses 7 to 14. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, Do not invite your friends and your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. May God add a blessing to the reading and hearing of this word. Our second scripture reading this morning continues in Luke's gospel. Let's continue to listen for the good news of Christ. One of the dinner guests, upon hearing this, said to Jesus, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, Someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of land, and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. And still another said, I have just been married, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant returned and reported this. The owner of the house became angry and said to the servant, Go out at once into the streets and the lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master said to his servant, Go out into the roads and into the lanes and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in a moment of prayer? Let us pray together.
Holy God, speak now for your people are listening. We are eager for your word that you may, through it, work a change in us to inspire us to new faith, to raise us to new heights. So I pray now that you will lend to my words here your word, that they may be given vitality and clarity, so that the meditations of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts may be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, for you are indeed our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, this morning we're continuing in our sermon series, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? And I want to tag our text this morning, The Uninvited are coming to dinner, uh, but I suppose I should have put some scare quotes around uninvited. <laughs> we are looking at three sayings of Jesus this morning, three different things Jesus has to say at that Sabbath meal that he was invited to by one of the leaders of the Pharisees. He had been invited so that the Pharisees might watch him closely, in other words, to lay a trap for him. But it is always Jesus who sees more clearly than anyone else in the Gospels. Jesus does not watch closely in the suspicious manner of his host, but the text says he noticed graciously an opportunity to give some practical advice to his fellow dinner guests and even to his host, advice that in turn would spark the theological imaginations of these learned religious folks and perhaps the theological imaginations of these learned religious folks, too. Indeed, the central theme of these three sayings of Jesus is that the lowly and the humble shall be exalted, that the mundane is made majestic by the power and providence of God, that the practical matters of our daily life may indeed prompt and provoke us to spiritual heights. As we have seen throughout this series, Customs of the ancient Near East around hospitality and dining were robust and rigid, a way of ordering society in the kind of structured hierarchy of value. It would be quite odd to be invited to a meal, particularly an extravagant feast, and then be told, don't worry, just sit wherever you like. Instead, the places of honor were carefully designated by a well-understood, though implicit, standard of proximity to the host. In other words, the thing everyone knew is that the closer you sat to the host, the more important, the better, the richer you were. And so Jesus sees these folks jockeying to get the spot right next to the host of the dinner, and he gives them this bit of practical advice. It's not even original to Jesus. It comes out of Proverbs. It's about advice about how to just invoice, avoid embarrassing yourself in that situation, to not put yourself in a place of honor that belongs to someone else. I'll never forget this story Whitney told me a while back. She was pregnant with Cal, and she was trying to find a parking place at Legacy Place in Dedham at the mall there. And at that parking lot, they have spots designated for expectant mothers. And she was about to angle into one of these spots when another car zoomed in ahead of her. And as she pulled forward to you know, move on to find another spot, she looked over, and a decidedly not pregnant young man got out of the car to go into the store. Well, hell hath no fury. <laughs> like a pregnant woman whose parking spot has been taken. 
Entitlement. Entitlement is the absence of any awareness of one's limits. It is to believe that the whole world is indeed yours for the taking. It is the disposition to sit wherever you like, to jockey for a place of honor or perhaps a parking spot to which you have no rightful claim. Jesus sees these folks at dinner doing this, and he admonishes them to be humble, because humility is the opposite of entitlement. Humility is the radical acceptance of finitude. It is to live comfortably within the reality of limitation, to recognize that there are some things that are just not for you, like a parking spot for expectant mothers. And that's okay. It's okay. The reality is that without such limits, lines that can't be crossed, edges that can't be blurred, constraints that keep us from straying too far in life, life can get pretty messy pretty fast. For example, sometimes when I'm enjoying my coffee in the morning and the time comes to get up and get out of the house, I will find at the last moment that all of our travel mugs are either misplaced or dirty. But such is my caffeine dependence that in that moment I will take my open coffee mug into the car with me, try to awkwardly fit it into the cup holder that is definitely not designed to hold a coffee mug. And a lidless mug is no threat at all, so long as things are going smoothly. But this is Massachusetts. And there are potholes everywhere. And so many a time after doing this, I have had to clean coffee off the center console of the car, and I've always resolved that I'll never do it again. (laughs) Without some external constraints, without some lid upon our lives, the substance of things can quite easily slosh and spill out in those unexpected and unwelcome moments, like a sudden illness or an unsuccessful surgery or a bad day at the office, or a bad night of sleep. Attempting to grind one's way through life without any appreciation of one's limits is a sure and certain recipe for stress, anxiety, burnout, and ultimately a profound sense of dissatisfaction. I know this quite personally. Mine is a generation that was told early and often that you can be anything, you can do anything, you can achieve anything so long as you work hard for it. The possibilities of life are endless, limitless possibilities. We millennials grew up in a time of rapid economic growth and technological advancement here in the United States. We came to believe deeply in the promise of limitlessness, that all of this would go on forever. And then the potholes came. It was 9-11, Wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, the collapse of the economy in 2008, protest movements in the 2010s, the pandemic, just the reality of growing into adulthood and facing all that comes with those transitions. Under such circumstances, a deeply instilled faith in a life without limits becomes something like a curse. Humility, on the other hand, is a blessing which is one that I hope my generation may someday be able to fully appreciate. The counterintuitive claim of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that the humble, those who accept and acknowledge that they can't do it all, 
that confess that they haven't done it all, and indeed that they probably will continue to come up short, that those folks are the ones who are exalted by God. The language we use in in worship is around confession and forgiveness, but here Jesus talks about how the humble are lifted up. In the original Greek text, as I said to Stephen, the words are distinct visual metaphors. To be humbled is literally to be put on the ground. To be exalted is to be lifted high in the air. And here God is the one who does that. Indeed, as we heard last week, it is God who humbles us, who makes us hungry for a satisfaction that worldly achievements cannot provide. Ironically, the path to achieving great success and the highest purposes of our lives, the path leads down before it goes up. Jesus' words are addressed to his host at the Sabbath dinner. They're a reminder that God repays the moments when we not only recognize our limitations, but when we see those whom society has casted aside because of their limitations. The poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Jesus points our attention to those limited by economic oppression and physical and mental ailments an inability to move through the world that we have made inaccessible to them because we made the world after our own ambitions. Those are the ones whom Jesus tells his host are to be invited and served and befriended. And of course, it's in that moment, after Jesus says this, that one of the other dinner guests pipes up and says, Blessed is anyone who eats bread in the kingdom of God. He seems to have picked up on Jesus' message that the poor and the lame have a different and perhaps a greater appreciation of the reality of limitation and thus a head start in realizing the exaltation of God. In other words, he heard Jesus say that God cares more for the poor and the disabled and the immigrant and the criminal. And to this insinuation, he took offense. How dare Jesus give pride of place in the kingdom of God to the humble? I hear in this dinner guest statement the theological equivalent of those who cry, all lives matter, as a pithy rejoinder to the cry of the oppressed. That is an expression of entitlement, that surely my life must matter, that I who dine with the leaders of Pharisees, that I have a place at the banquet table of heaven, right? Well, Jesus sometimes will speak parables just off the cuff. But in this case, I think he's responding to a misunderstanding, he perceives. The kingdom of God, Jesus says, the promise of creation's redemption and the fullest realization of life abundant eternal, it does not match the expectations of success and belonging that this dinner guest believes he is entitled to. No, the kingdom of God transcends even the very description that we give of it. That's why Jesus describes it in these parables. Here the dinner guest is seeking to grasp something that is ungraspable. He is seeking to go beyond his limits. But Jesus, Jesus knows the kingdom of God because Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of Lords, the Son of the Father. Jesus knows intimately the radical truth 
of God's abundant grace. And so he explains in this story that God does indeed invite everyone, everyone to share in beloved community. The problem is that so many who are privileged enough with things like youth and good health and economic security are too busy amassing wealth or grinding away at their jobs or or even just with maintaining the relationships with those they already love, the people in their friend groups or their families, that they don't have time or space or bandwidth to respond to God's invitation to host those who are not like them. Jesus points to three people who refuse the invitation to the banquet. He, the first one says that he just bought some new land that he needs to go inspect. This is the person after possessions and wealth. The second person just bought a team of oxen and he needs to go try them out. He needs to work. And that's more important than responding to the invitation. The third just got married. Blessings be upon you. But still, because of that, because of putting too much importance upon that, the invitation is refused. Those who live their lives solely for their work, or solely within a social circle drawn so tight, they would do well to remember the old saying that you have not yet met all the people who will love you or all the people whom you can love. God's invitation here is to draw the circle wider, to build the table longer, to take comfort in the fact That when we do less of what concerns us immediately, God does more with us and for us than we can imagine. In the parable, it's the well-off and seemingly righteous who tell themselves they have important things to do. But the ones who respond to God's invitation are the humble ones. The ones whom life has humbled. And in their humility, they have come to confront the reality of their limitations, the deep need and hunger found there. And that is the spark that ignites their faith, a faith that can move mountains. It's a faith that can confront fear and suffering and even death and say that God is bigger and better than all those things. God is so much a God, in fact, that even trapped on a cross, bleeding and dying, even then, victory is still assured. Inspired by the gospel of Christ, who laid down his life and took it up again, we are invited today to envision a table that God has set. A table where everyone, both friend and foe, rich and poor, are welcomed, and the boundaries and limits of life in this broken world are transcended and healed. Can you picture the table? Now, can you live what it calls you to? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is is alive. It is alive and embodied in the church, where we are inspired to draw the circle wider and to build the table longer, so that in faith we can grow into the fullness of Christ. Here, we extend the invitation to God's beloved community and make it tangible and real. It's an invitation to come, 
to come to this table and to receive Christ into your life and be made new. So let us come to the table. Thank you for listening. I hope this week's message was a feast for your ears, that it fed you body and spirit. And I hope that you will come back and join us again next week here with Sermons by the Park. To find out more about Union Congregational Church, you can always visit our website, churchbythepark.org, or you can follow us on social media at Church by the Park. The theme music for this week's message is by Carmen Maria and Edu Espinal. It's called Ratatouille's Kitchen. Now from all of us here at Union, God's grace and peace go with you. Ba, 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 ba.